Welcome to our sixth podcast for Thanks for Your Service. I'm David Hall. Thanks for Your Service is a news and information resource and its focus is on historical topics relating to the Australian Defence Force. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Thanks for Your Service. Our website is www.thanksforyourservice.net. You can also email us at info at thanksforyourservice.net. In this podcast, we learn about the War Heritage Roadshow 2017, which is currently touring Victoria. And we stay in Victoria and head to Ballarat to find out more about the Avenue of Honour and the Arch of Victory. The Victorian Department of Premier and Cabinet Veterans Branch and the Grimwade Centre for Cultural Materials Conservation are delivering a series of free workshops for the public across Victoria. The War Heritage 2017 workshops will bring Australia's leading experts in preservation relating to war items. Joining us on the line from Melbourne is Vanessa Kowalski, who is a paintings conservator at the Grimwade Centre for Cultural Materials Conservation, Commercial Conservation Services. That's a that's a, a, a bit of a tongue twister, Vanessa. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And the War Heritage Roadshow 2017, what is it? Um, I suppose the War Heritage Roadshow, um, it can probably best be described as sort of inspired by the BBC's Antiques Roadshow, um, where guests can bring artefacts along for uh, personalised advice from preservation experts, so looking at how to keep their family's wartime heritage items safe in their home for future generations to enjoy. Um, and I suppose the main difference between the um, Antiques Roadshow model is that we're not doing valuations, rather we're providing advice on historical significance and ongoing care and preservation of the various artefacts that we encounter. Can you tell us about the Grimwade Centre for Cultural Materials Conservation and its relationship with the University of Melbourne? Yes, yeah, so the Grimwade um, Centre grew out really of a small department that was started up at the university to care for the university's diverse cultural collections. Um, and now it's the only centre of its kind in Australia that combines academic programs, uh, specifically masters and PhD programs, and commercial services in the conservation of cultural materials field. Um, so we deliver education, research and commercial services in cultural material conservation to the university community, but also outside of the university to external institutions and private clients. And the, the War Heritage Roadshow, is it a University of Melbourne initiative or how did it, uh, how did it come to light? Um, it's actually an initiative of the Victorian government. So it's, um, it was, came about through the Veterans Branch of the Department of Premier and Cabinet. Um, and they were looking, I suppose, at an outreach sort of program. Um, to, you know, I suppose because of the centenary of World War uh, I, um, and you know, collating and collecting stories that relate to materials from that time. At the Roadshow has already visited parts of Victoria. Where have you been so far? Uh, so far, uh, we've been out west to Warrnambool, Ballarat and Bendigo. Uh, we've been in the north of Victoria to Shepparton and Wodonga, um, and then more to the east in Morwell and Bairnsdale, and then closer to Melbourne to Frankston and Geelong. 
So um, yeah, we're, we're we're getting a wide, um, but you know, travelling a lot around Victoria, which is nice. And what does a typical consultation entail? So we've got a range of experts that specialise in paper, photographs, textiles, metals, um, and then just general artefacts, as well as paintings, conservation, uh, as well as an expert in war history. So typically visitors uh, will receive information about what the item might actually be. So many people uh, that we encounter have inherited or found items of significance and they have very little information about them. So they're looking to receive some historical information about them and what the item might be. Um, and then they also receive information about how best to, to maybe store the item or to clean it or display it to ensure its ongoing preservation. Um, and some people also are seeking information about how to do donate items to different organisations that might find them um, interesting or you know, relevant to their collections. So, so photographs people are bringing in, uh, items of, of military relics that, that relatives have collected, etc. What uh, have you seen an item of, of, of significant historical value that someone's brought in? Yeah, so you're right. Most of the items that people are bringing in are, are personal and sort of family-related items. Um, but we've had, we do have um, a, a collection brought in from. Um, a woman, a granddaughter, it was her grandfather had served in the Second World War and he was a um, prisoner of war. He was captured in Crete and was a prisoner of war for four years in Poland. So there were lots of diaries and letters and money of various currencies um, and some souvenirs from Egypt. And I suppose the most interesting artefact out of that was a wooden carved chain made while he was a, a prisoner of war. Um, and there was a significant collection of coins dating up to 2,000 years old, so um, that was that's something that was quite significant and quite different. We've also had a diary from the Boer War, which was um, handwritten, and it was a very detailed account of the author's experiences of the Boer War and capturing um, experiences of others that he encountered as well. Um, so such a detailed sort of um, diary account of that time um, is not represented in many of Australia's national collections. Um, we've also had some escape maps, so quite interesting from the Air Force, World War II Air Force escape maps, and often they are sewn into the lining of the soldiers' jackets so that if they need them, they can access them. And where's the roadshow travelling next? So we're uh, on the 20th and 21st of October, we'll be heading out west again to Horsham and Ararat. And then in late November, we're heading out to Swan Hill and Mildura. And how is the roadshow supported? I understand that the, that the consultations are free uh, to members of the public coming in, but where, where do you get your support from? Yeah, so the, the um, as I mentioned, the War Heritage Roadshow is an initiative of the Victorian government's War History and Heritage Strategy. So it's been funded by the Veterans Branch of Department of Premier and Cabinet. Um, and that's allowed specialists from the Green Wade Centre at the University of Melbourne to donate, you know, sort of use their time to go out and provide advice to people. And where can people go to find out more about the roadshow? Uh, so, probably the most um, comprehensive information and 
some examples of the types of artefacts that are being brought in and some of the stories that we've collected along the way is on the University of Melbourne's webpage. So there is a, a War Heritage Roadshow homepage um, and the address is arts.unimelb.edu.au forward slash Grimwade Centre forward slash engagement forward slash war dash heritage dash roadshow dash 2017 so and we'll, uh, we'll make sure we'll, we'll post that link onto onto the website yes. Vanessa that's a fantastic initiative and we uh, wish you all the uh, best for the for the rest of the war heritage roadshow in 2017 and thank you so much for your time today thanks David thanks for your interest in the in the program you can find links to the information on the War Heritage Roadshow 2017 on our website. Ballarat is home to the 22-kilometre length Avenue of Honour and the Arch of Victory dedicated to those from Ballarat who served in World War I. Bruce Price, OAM, who is the President of the Arch of Victory and Avenue of Honour Committee, joins us from Ballarat. If we first start off with the Avenue of Honour in Ballarat, can you tell us about that please? Well, uh, during World War One, on the 20th of May 1917, Mr Edward Price, who happened to be my grandfather, governing director and owner of a textile company, E. Lucas & Co., he proposed at an Arbor Day meeting of local progress associations and others that the staff of 450 girls at the Lucas Company would offer to establish an avenue of trees to honour all those who enlisted in Ballarat to serve in World War One, And uh, this proposal was adopted that particular night, 20th of May. The Lucas girls raised most of the necessary finance of £4,000 for both the Avenue and subsequently the Arch of Victory and uh, also planted most of the trees. Now, on the 26th of May, 500 holes were dug by volunteers, including Boy Scouts and students, supervised by gardeners. And on King's birthday, June the 4th, 1917, 505 trees were actually planted at 3pm, instigated by a series of buglers on a three-kilometre section of what was to be the avenue. And the Premier of Victoria actually planted tree number one. There were eight plantings in all, the last being on the 16th of August 1919. And uh, the avenue stretches for 22 kilometres, which is the longest in Australia, and quite possibly the in the world of its type. Now, Ballarat's population at the time of World War I was about 30,000. 3,801 service personnel are commemorated in the 22 kilometre avenue. 744 of those lost their life, one in five. Mm. A further two in five were wounded, and the balance, of course, endured um, other problems. The average age of those 3,801 was just 24, with only 15% over 30. It meant the partial loss, really, of a whole generation for Ballarat, and the same would apply to cities all over Australia. The gunmetal plaques on the trees detail only the soldier's name, military unit, number of the tree and any decorations earned. There is no mention of rank in this egalitarian avenue. 
I think I might leave it at that on the uh, on the avenue, David. Sure. Now, in in terms of the three thousand eight hundred and one, can you physically describe the the avenue to us? So I understand that that that's, there are different species of trees, and, and each of the tree at the foot of the tree has this plaque uh, that you've described. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, there were twenty three species, uh, not native uh, trees at all. Um, but uh, most of those 23 actually um, didn't survive. And when a census was taken in the way up forward in the 1980s, 80% were either elms, various elm species or poplars. And, um, but uh, I'll come to that later on, perhaps when I'm talking about another subject, yeah. Sure, now you also mentioned the Arch of Victory, which came shortly after the Avenue of Honour. What's the history yeah. behind the arch? Yeah, certainly. Um, well, in late 1918, the idea of an arch as an entrance to the Avenue of Honour emerged, and the Lucas girls were once more raising funds. Design drawings are attributed to actually two or three recent architecture graduates from a local school of mines in Ballarat. The construction was actually... Uh, headed up by George Brooks. There was um, uh, no engineer, no architect. George Brooks could be termed the master bricklayer of Ballarat. There were 70,000 local Selkirk bricks in the structure. And the team, George and their team of 15 or so carpenters, bricklayers, plasterers and labourers, completed the work in the remarkable time of just under four months just in time for the Prince of Wales, who was later King Edward VIII and abdicated. Uh, he opened the Arch of Victory on the 2nd of June 1920, the foundation stone having been laid on the 7th of February 1920 by General Sir William Birdwood, who was actually commander of the Australian troops in, in the early part of World War One, Gallipoli. The arches. 16.5 metres high, 19 metres wide. The arch opening itself is 7.3 metres high and 9.5 metres wide. One interesting highlight was that the prince was given some gold scissors to cut the ribbon. Because gold is soft, they would not cut. And uh, my grandfather happened to produce out of his pocket a small pair of scissors, very small, from his pocket and uh, for the prince to complete his duties. These same scissors, out of interest, were renovated uh, by uh, Sovereign Hill experts in Ballarat and used by the Governor-General, Quentin Bryce, to reopen the arch after its renovation in 2011. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the renovation, that renovation, by the way, took uh, six months to complete with all modern scaffolding and tools and everything else and where George built the whole thing in four months. Mm. Since, the, uh, since the, the establishment of the Arch of Victory and the Avenue of Honour, what major developments have happened since that, that early period? Yeah, well I'll mention five and one of them I've just briefly mentioned with the, was the renovation in 2011 which was quite a substantial uh, undertaking. Um, 
one of the another one of the five was the construction of a memorial wall in 1993. That was uh, $150,000 in those days, which was all raised locally. Uh, wall was 10 metres long and uh, features 72 bronze plaques recording the names and tree numbers of the servicemen and women in the avenue. And that was opened on the 16th of May 1993 by Sir Edward Weary Dunlop, mm. just six weeks before his death. Um, a third is the ongoing Avenue of Honour restoration. This is very large. Uh, we conducted a very extensive study of the avenue by, it was done by Mark McGuire and Associates. In 1996, every tree was examined and uh, concluded in brief that 400 trees were missing and 55% of the balance would die before 2030 and the avenue would be an eyesore and decimated if this current generation did nothing. So we actually started on a 20-year program of uh, trying to plant 100 trees each year. Um, as with the first plantings, it was voluntarism that came to the fore. Everything about the avenue is actually, almost everything is voluntary. Mm. Fleming's Nurseries of Mondalk, who are well known actually worldwide, um, provided without being asked uh, the that they wanted to offer the initial trees free for the life of the project. That's the initial trees which would be sort of um, half a metre high. Mm. The trees were then to be grown for two to three years in nurseries and we managed to get that eventually at no charge with a, a local crowd called Ballarat Regional Industries at a uh, Creswick nursery and recently it's or now it's done at the Ballarat Specialist School which is a win-win situation because the children of the school look after these developing trees um, as they go through their process growing to about the 1.8 metres before they go in the avenue. Um, the actual looking after the nursery potting and the uh, supervision of the annual plantings, which is uh, handled every, or it's been handled since 1997 by Rotary Clubs, particularly one called Ballarat South Rotary. And uh, to date, I can say that of the 3,801 trees, we've replaced 22,100. Over half of the trees have been replaced in that time. Mm with many of the balance, of course, being in good condition because we tackle the, uh, the more, more difficult ones. So that great voluntary project is ongoing and supported also by the City of Ballarat and the Civil Contractors Federation who, for instance, dig all the holes and move the mulch around on the planning days. Uh, the fourth of one of the five is uh, an, an overpass of the Avenue of Honour try to briefly explain that. In 1993, the Western Highway in uh, Victoria um, had a bypass of Ballarat. Western Highway bef before that went through Ballarat, a town of now 100,000. And that was constructed um, and severed the Avenue of Honour about 17 kilometres from the arch. 
near near Lake Barren Beat. The adjacent rail crossing on the Ballarat to Ararat line was also closed, isolating the final five kilometres home to 800 trees on Avenue Road. With plans for the duplication of the Western Highway, Vic Roads announced in 2011 after we'd uh, made several attempts to get them to correct the errors that had been imposed in 1993. They agreed that a dual overpass of the avenue would be constructed and that extensive project included abutments, red abutments which feature the names of all World War I battles and the units of the servicemen and women and leaf tabs on the bridge screens representing the 3,801 who served and the 744 who lost their lives. Other works included landscaping with red plantings extending 300 metres either side of the overpass and uh, also imprints of tree leaves on the walls, sound reducing road pavement over the top and uh, an expensive rest area with information panels. Mm. The overpass and the adjacent rail crossing were officially opened by the Minister for Veterans Affairs, Senator Michael Ronaldson at the time, on the 12th of April 2015. Um, so that's, that's number four. Yeah, Vic Roads, by the way, have um, won awards for both the overpass itself and the landscaped areas either side in a project that links infrastructure and heritage. Mm. The final development is the Garden of the Grieving Mother. In 2014, our committee was able to procure 1,400 square metres of land right adjacent to the Arch of Victory and resolved to make it an area suitable for contemplation. In 2015, this was a little bit of a fluke, one of our committee members was introduced to eminent sculptor Peter Corlett. Um, who's been involved in several major sculptures associated with World War One? Cobbers, um, Simpson and his donkey in Canberra, one of Weary Dunlop in St Kilda Road and so on. And um, he had a maquette of a, a grieving mother, you know, about or less than half a metre high. Um he was considering the possibility of a life-sized statue at the shrine. And uh, a member of our committee, he persuaded him to come to Ballarat and uh, view the site. And um, he promptly agreed, and in June, Peter was commissioned to create the statue, and a landscape design was commissioned. Public appeal launched in November 15. And after the site contract had been money raised, the site contract was let. And finally, on February the 15th, 2017, this year, uh, the garden was opened and the statue unveiled by the Governor-General, Sir Peter Cosgrove. Mm. The grieving mother poignantly represents all at home, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, wives, children, all who suffered deep anxiety and grief, particularly following the death of a soldier in World War One, But it's also meant to represent all wars, past, present and future, mm. and uh, a national memorial. 
Please, Matt. So they're the major developments in the in the period of time concern. Yeah. yeah. Bruce, you mentioned that the Avenue of Honour is a staggering 22 kilometres in length. Are there similar avenues of honour in Australia or elsewhere overseas? Yeah. Well, commemorative avenues actually followed on from a growing trend to develop tree-lined streets and parklands in various cities. And in Ballarat Arbor Days, around King's birthday when this one was started, uh, they were regular. And as um, Ballarat's got uh, many thousands of trees. In Australia, they're actually... Uh, well, they're not exact figures, but many others, many people have had a go at it. But approximately 380 World War One avenues. Victoria, the largest, with 220. Um, a lot, particularly attributed to the impetus created by Ballarat's Avenue. Ballarat was one of the early ones, but not the earliest. And, um, there are actually four or five established in Australia after the Boer War. Mm. And um, in World War One, the earliest was in the small town of Urek, where 26 trees were planted in May 1916, where ours was May or June 17. In other countries, um, there are over 220 in uh, in the UK, several in Canada, New Zealand, USA, and even Italy. Um, but not in huge numbers. But the Ballarat Avenue remains the longest in Australia and perhaps, I would say, use the word perhaps, perhaps the longest of its type in the world. Mm. I mean, I've, 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 driven you, I've driven the Avenue of Honour and it's just an amazing experience to, to, for the length of time it takes you to drive it, obviously 22 kilometres in length. For those people who are visiting Ballarat, where physically uh, is the Arch of Victory and, and the Avenue of Honour? Physically, where is it? It's, it's on the western edge of the town and um, was all, well, it was lining next what, what was the western highway towards Adelaide. And, uh, but the bypass changed that. But um, it extends for about 17 kilometres towards Lake Benton. I mentioned the uh, final leg of 500 um, or five kilometres goes actually towards the town of Learmonth and uh, went over the railway line between Ballarat and Ararat. Uh, so that's the location of it, yes. Bruce, in, in 2013, you were awarded the Order of Australia Medal for service to the community of Ballarat. Tell us about that. Uh well, look, I, I don't like doing this too much. Let me look, I'll refer to the biographical notes that were associated with the award. That'll do. Sure. And certainly the Archer Victory Avenue of Honour Committee was part of it, as I've been a member since 1973 and president since 1980. Um, but for, as well, for over 50 years, I've been a member of Wise Men International. That's Y apostrophe S, not W-I-S-E, the service club of the YMCA, which is, has 30,000 members worldwide in 80 countries, headquarters in Geneva, Switzerland. And I was involved voluntarily at, uh, at an international level in the 70s and 80s and 
actually did a term as international president in 77, 78. Mm. But other community involvements have included uh, two school councils and president of a private club and member of the Uniting Church Outreach Council, uh, involved there for 17 years, board member of Ballet YMCA, nine years perhaps. Uh, and in the 60s and 70s, a member of Ballarat Birthright, which is an organisation that doesn't exist anymore, but which is, interestingly enough, provided support for civilian widows with children. Mm. And uh, each member sort of looked after and helped uh, two or three widows in, in Ballarat. Yeah. Extensive community involvement, yeah. You also mentioned a that... A fair bit of community involvement there yeah, anyway. Yeah, indeed. There's a family connection with the establishment of the Avenue of Honour. Um, I think you said it was your uncle, is that right? No, my grandfather. Grandfather, sorry. Yeah, Edward Price. I think I might have mentioned him right at the start where he uh, proposed this whole thing to uh, the meeting in May 17. Is there any... And um, he, was, he became the... Uh, uh, you were asking, did you want to know about the maintenance and support no, of the so, avenue? Yeah, so um, you, <laughs> you, you you mentioned that a large proportion of maintenance and support is, is done uh, from a voluntary perspective. How else yep. um, is the is the arch and the and the avenue uh, supported? Yeah. Well, it was only in 1931... Uh, then Mayor of the City of Ballarat called a public meeting to establish an Archer Victory Avenue Honour Committee. And actually my grandfather, there, Edward Price, he was elected as first president. And the committee was and is charged with the responsibility to maintain, enhance and protect the avenue and promote the recognition of wartime and peacetime sacrifices by Ballarat service personnel. The committee, our committee's incorporated autonomous but we're also an advisory committee of council so as such we have the support of the city of Ballarat um, and in particular they organize maintenance of the Archer Victory precinct uh, grass cutting down the avenue which used to be twice a year now is six times and uh, aids the aids the presentation remarkably and our committee actually comprises, on that committee we have two city councillors, the mayor's ex-officio, but we also have representatives of Ballarat RSL, Thick Roads, the National Trust Branch in Ballarat has a representative, uh, the city's arboriculture officers on there, and uh, two members of the Lucas Past Employees Association, the Lucas Link, uh, the Lucas Company, was taken over by an English company in um, 1968, just about exactly 50 years ago. But the Lucas Past Employees Association still exists, and uh, the the Lucas girls are fairly old, of course. Mm. And, uh, but two of them, two of them are on our committee, and um, they give us a, a check for a thousand dollars every year, uh, which is a remarkable contribution. Yeah. yeah. And we also have 12, it's a fairly large committee, about 20, 12 community representatives, including 
service club members and others with a range of skills, appropriate range of skills. And, and um, they all they all provide uh, valuable inputs to the discussions and projects. So um, the city of Ballarat actually does, of course, provide the, uh, in terms of dollars, I suppose, the support in in those activities that I mentioned. But with major projects, we have been able to gain uh, financial support from federal government, state government, trusts, you know, industry developers, commerce, and of course the Ballarat community. Mm. And um, all of those things put together have um, kept the uh, uh, the Archon Avenue before the world, if you like. Yeah. Mm. And, and finally, where can people go to find out more information about the Avenue of Honour and the Arch of Victory? Yeah, I would suggest the simplest way is to, um, as people say, Google. If you Google Ballarat Avenue of Honour, and probably you've done this anyway, and up come a range of references there which you can go through. They could Google Ballarat Avenue of Overpass, Ballarat Avenue of Honour Overpass, uh, for material and pictures of that award-winning structure opened in 2015. Um, you could Google honouring our Anzacs. It's all one word: H O N O U R I N G our Anzacs. dot com. dot au to obtain details of those 3,801 soldiers and nurses remembered in the avenue. And finally, if you Google Garden of the Grieving Mother, Ballarat, you'll get full details of the project and a bit of the opening by the Governor General and and so on. Uh, and by the way, we uh, we've engaged a Mr. Phil Roberts. Uh, he's a well-recognised man for this. For who's com- who will be completing a 250-page book called Avenue of Memories, covering the Arch and Avenue and all these stories. And we hope to launch that in before Remembrance Day, 2018. Yeah, about a year away. But he's been working on it for three years already. Yeah. Bruce, a fascinating... Well, maybe ins- that's a... No, a, a fa- fascinating uh, insight into the Arch of Victory and Avenue of Honour and uh, many thanks for your participation. You can head to our website, www.thanksforyourservice.net to find out more information on the Avenue of Honour and the Arch of Victory. That's the podcast for today. We're keen to hear your feedback. That email again is info at thanksforyourservice.net or leave a comment on our Facebook page. And if you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave a review. Finally, if you're interested in sponsorship or support of this podcast, head to our website or email us. You can also support us via Patreon. The link is www.patreon.com. Thanks for your service. Thanks for listening.